yeah, forgiveness is 100% toxic no matter what. It hurts the person that has refused to forgive or can't forgive. It's not saying what you did is okay or the way you look at me or the way that you... What it's saying is I'm at peace with this and I release it because if I carry it, like physically, like a bucket of, you know what, manure, and I take it around with me and everywhere I go smells like crap because I put it down next to me and I've got it and it permeates everything. Hi, I'm Nick Ninton, and welcome to Now to Next, the podcast where I interview some of the top experts and professionals all across the globe to talk about what's happening now and what you can expect next. Thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. Make sure you like and subscribe and check out the next episodes. Hey everybody, Nick Nanton. Welcome back to Now to Next with Nick Nanton. I've got an amazing guest for you today, uh, Miss Theo Prodromitis. I will share with you all about her. She's the author of the new book, The Balance Between Hustle and Flow. And we're going to talk all about that today. Let me tell you a little bit about her before I bring her on. Uh, Theo is an award-winning entrepreneur, Amazon seller, marketing strategist, philanthropist, and Greek mom. She is the CEO and co-founder of Spa Destinations and CEO of Outfront brands. A fierce advocate for women and small business, she's the United States House of Representatives Small Business Committee Congressional Witness and serves on the National Retail Federation Advisory Council. Her awards include the NRF Champion of Retail and 2020 Enterprising Woman of the Year. Theo is also a founding member of the Zuckerberg Institute, Randy Zuckerberg's initiative to empower entrepreneurship and women in STEM, which is uh, science, technology, engineering and math, I do believe. I'll get corrected if that's not true. Uh, Theo has been featured in the Small Business Journal on International Women's Day, Business News Daily, the Tampa Bay Times, and on Bay News 9, ABC Action News, Fox 13, and NBC, and in the money section of USA Today. She is the dedicated mother of Mary, Jacqueline, and Spiro, and the intrepid organizer of her big Greek Greek family reunions. Her passion for business is grounded in a Greek word called philotimo, which is the cultural imperative to serve the greater good with honor. And she certainly does that well. Theo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Nick, for a chance to connect with you and your awesome audience. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure. All right. So let's talk about the biggest thing. The overarching concept here is this book. You have the balance between hustle and flow. I think people can probably get the idea of what that of what that is generally, but let's go down the path of successful entrepreneur do a lot for, for women, which I love. Uh, what, what made you think that writing a book would be a great idea? It, it, that's a tough endeavor. Like what made you say, you know what, I'm gonna write a book about this. And so tell me what inspired the book and then we'll dig in a bit about the book. Well, thank you, Nick. The reason I decided to write this book is when I was uh, doing some executive coaching, I realized that when I was uh, using some reference material and, and suggesting some great literature, all of the literature was either one extreme of the hustle, you know, kick butt, or the flow, which characteristically was the meditation and some of the um, just zen out and all of that. And I realized that in our daily lives, about a hundred to a thousand times a day, we make decisions that are a balance between the two. Uh, I love that. And so 
I, I think we often find ourselves in this state, driven people, which everyone listening is, find ourselves in this state of, hey, we want to drive success. We know we got we to gotta drive. It's funny. I wrote a song with a, a few songwriting partners the other day called Drive This Dream. The point where you can't force everything. You get, this, you get to this point where if you continue to force things, uh, you know, we're not going to let technology stop us. We're not going to let things get in the way. But then you also hit this this point to know where that line is i think that to know where that balance is is a really important part so how how do you suggest people start recognizing when to hold on and drive and, and sort of when to let go and just let things happen well i like to flame, frame it out in a very pragmatic way that in the course of maybe goal achievement you have this huge goal and you're thinking i'm going to take these actions so take three actions and then also marry those with three insights or questions that come from them. So you, you take these bold actions, but then you have to go into the flow. The flow is not stasis. It's not just staying. It's also being proactive and actually asking directed questions. So that's how we get into the real balance to gain the insights, which is the flow, from the action. Which is the hustle. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, asking a bunch of questions and not letting somebody answer, right? If you're, you've got to stop and you've got to let the reactions happen. There, several years ago, uh, probably several times every year, uh, my business partner Jack and I, I will be talking. I'm just, I'll just get frustrated that I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then, and one time he said to me, he's like, Nick. You got to you got to give God some elbow room. You know, you got to give him the space to work because you're yes. you're, you're you're not. You just got to stop and breathe for a minute. You've done everything you can do. Sometimes you just have to be at peace with okay, now let me see what for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction, but if you haven't stopped the action, you can't you often will never see the reaction or you'll miss you'll miss the reaction because you're still acting. So, that's sort of how I I look at it. Now, in the book you talk about lighting your fire and you talk about passion. Um, one of the most important things is passion. I mean, people could, listening to both of us can tell we're really passionate about having this conversation. Uh, passion, I think, is a really it's a really hard thing for people to pinpoint. You know, what am I what am I passionate about? I mean, I've got you have three kids. I've got three kids. I got a 16 year old, a 13 year old, a nine year old about to turn 10. My 16 year old, like right now we're starting, you know, he just finished his sophomore year of high school yesterday, which is blowing my mind. You know, starting to talk about college, starting to talk about the rest of your life. Like in one of the questions that comes up so often, but feels cliche, I think for a lot of kids is what are you passionate about? Tell me about your passion. And, you know, he's passionate about, I don't know, video games, playing soccer, hanging out with, you know, with, with girls and friends. But like, how do you start in, in the, the world of adult world for, I think it's a great question for me to ask for him, but also even as we are adults, like how do we find our passion? It seems so elusive. Yeah. Oh, that's, a, that is the Holy grail because the passion drives everything. The passion is the way I describe it is where when you're doing it, time stands still. You really, you don't have any concept of time. It could be an hour. Like for me, public speaking, if I'm sharing with an audience here with you, I could get totally lost in it. And then you know it's your passion. And I think it is really important for people to actually honor some of the things that are discounted and make sure that your dreams are your dreams and that they're not designed by uh, society. So you think 
that maybe um, if you love apples, I'll use an example. If you love apples and you think no one is supporting you saying, oh, yeah, do something with apples because it's so obscure. But when you're in like picking apples or when you see one, oh, it resonates with you. And there isn't the sort of societal support to say, yes, that's a great career. Go into apples. It's bizarre because I'm sure you experienced that, Nick, because as you are so multifaceted with songwriting, with, you know, making documentaries, with everything that you do, each one comes with its own gift. So I think it's finding those and then not relying on society to tell you, hey, that's a good one. Uh, I absolutely love that. Now I keep losing your face with with uh, something on your phone's not working quite right. I don't know if there's a filter or something, but you may want to lose it. Uh, we'll edit that out. Uh, but so it's absolutely true. And the thing that people have to realize when you start looking at all of this is the dreams and the skill sets that you have are were given to you and not everybody will recognize those. And so most people who are around you who are in many cases, they're trying to protect you, protect you from the world they're really trying to protect their vision of what they think you are or will become or even should become and i think in many cases it's done with great intentions but in most cases um you well if you have the confidence and the passion you have to also learn how to step beyond that because you actually a lot of it will come at you almost as negativity because it's not aligning with 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 what you're thinking but it's also you know the way i would put it based on on my faith and i, I know you share similar faith is that you know that's a, that's a dream god gave to you he didn't necessarily reveal that to everybody else so you're going to have to learn to I me mean, i've definitely had many a moment where people have doubted or said mean things where like, there's no way you can direct documentaries and, and, and write songs and, and run an agency. Like, you know, the thing I heard the most as a kid is like, you got to focus. And like, I've learned, I can focus on a lot of things at the same time. And, and sort of my ADHD is, is my, uh, my blessing and my curse in that I can only focus for short periods of time on something. So when I have a lot of projects, I can focus, I can hyper focus in micro bursts on all these little things and it allows me to keep them moving. Um, you talk a lot in the book about negativity and how to deal with it. And I think, um, you know, I've dealt with a lot of the top self, help personal development people we could name a laundry list you know that but the way you the way you approached it i know you've been coached and mentored by a lot of people too but the way you approach negativity and simply finding ways to remove it from your life and not even let it get into your head because it shapes every inner and outer conversation every decision i thought was really insightful share a little bit about your your perspective on negativity Oh, absolutely. One of the most important topics. And my perspective is that, of course, Jim Rohn says, stand guard at the door to your mind as one of the, the organizing principles. And I know you've interviewed and talked to Tony Robbins. Um, and that's, you know, what does his mentor and that principle of not letting it in and standing guard is critical. But one distinction that you may have gleaned from the book is that that doesn't mean removing those people from your life. They can exist, obviously. Sometimes they're family members. And it is not letting that pass by and not letting them uh, into the real estate of your mind. And so you can still have a relationship, but you figure out how to put a filter on that and how to be in, uh, you know, at a family event and with that negativity, but to not 
let it in. That's a critical point because people sometimes think when I say remove it from your life, yes, remove the negativity from your life, but you don't have to remove the people. They're going to be there. You may diminish the amount of time you spend with them. You may be hyper aware. And that's the flow. When you raise your awareness, Nick, to the point that they have now just dropped a seed that could change the trajectory of your success. Wow. You don't let it in. One degree can change your whole course. Somebody says, well, that's dumb. No one likes those. That's the, and then you re- then you see it and you go, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I recognize it, but that's not going in. Absolutely. You're still mostly out of focus, just so you know. Um, okay. The... Um, yeah, that's, that's huge. Uh, Jack Canfield, when I spoke with Jack, Jack said, uh, he was talking about how he had a, a pretty toxic relationship with his mother. And he was saying that, you know, he spoke with, I don't remember as a therapist or a friend. And they said, look, you've got to keep, you can't let negative people in, in your life. And he said, well, but it's my mother. And he said, so I learned about CEO relationships. That's Christmas and Easter only. So he's like, you know, if it's something like that, Christmas, Easter only, the rest of the time, you got to stay out of that negativity. The, you know, the thing about, negativity is it is it festers um it, it does and when you let it into your mind and, and we all do I, again i think your hyper awareness of it was was a good lesson to me um it does you have to you really have to be very aware of it and you also made a, a connection to forgiveness which i think is a really interesting thing because if if we can't forgive we're constantly living in a state of negativity but i think a lot of people think that forgiveness means uh weakness or acceptance of someone else's wrong on you. Uh, Talk a little bit about forgiveness and the way you look at it. Yeah, forgiveness is 100% toxic no matter what. It, it, It hurts the person that has refused to forgive or can't forgive. I don't say refused, but it's really not permission. It it is not granting, it's not saying what you did is okay, or the way you look at me, or the way that you, what it's saying is I'm at peace with this and I release it because if I carry it, like physically, like a bucket of, you know what, manure, and I take it around with me, and everywhere I go smells like crap, because I put it down next to me, and I've got it, and it permeates everything, so forgiveness, especially in relation to what you said, you, you keyed in on it, the people that may be doing things to undermine you or saying things that are negative, no matter what their intention is, spend more time on the pursuit of excellence than trying to figure that out or fix them or make them wrong because their correctness or incorrectness, we know it's, it really, if you release it, then all that energy is available in pursuit of your goals and dreams. And that's the biggest freedom anybody can ever have is the forgiveness yeah i totally agree and when you find yourself in a state of negative emotion and it happens to all of us i mean i i had a day yesterday that i was just honestly i was just beat i've been on the road i mean essentially for the last two weeks about eight of the days which is very unusual for me but i'm like everyone else i'm catching up from work that was put off from covid and all these other things and i just had to do what i had to do but yesterday i just felt in a funk and so i had to number one i had to recognize it like wait a minute this isn't this isn't me like what why am i feeling this way why am i acting this way you know whenever i start to feel a bit of anxiety i don't have i don't think i have clinical anxiety like a lot of people do but we all have these moments of anxiousness like 
something hits us like, oh, what do we do? Or all of a sudden we have this uneasy feeling. And I've got to stop and say, like, what just happened? Like, what did I read and not pay attention to? Or what did I just get a text or something that made me feel weird? Like, let me try to connect these dots so I can address this emotion because I don't know why I'm feeling this way. What do you recommend when someone feels a bit in a negative state? I'm going to give a Dan Sullivan seeker in a second, but I want to hear the Theo Protramida seeker first. What do you suggest when people... First of all, if they start looking for it and they realize they're hanging out in a bit of a negative state, what do you think they should do? Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. And I'm uh, delighted to be on a show where, you know, you're going to share a Dan Sullivan because he's incredible. And I'm going to share my tip. In the book, I talk a little bit about micro strategies, which are very small, specific actions that you take when you recognize those. So you nip them in the butt. So you get a micro strategy. So you realize, hey, like you did, you stop what you're doing. If you're in traffic, if that coworker is triggering you, then you stop and you do something that breaks your state. You change it up, you jump up and down, you you know go over here, you look at a picture of your kids and you develop something that's just yours. It's just a personal micro strategy for negativity. And when you develop the discipline of recognizing those, uh, those negative emotions really early on, you will not let them go so deep and they won't turn into, you know, a state and then a mood, you know, and, and escalate from there. So I say, use a, get some micro strategies that work for you, something that brings you joy. For me, it might be, you know, looking at uh, a picture of New York City. I have a picture right above my desk, um, of course, my children. So a micro strategy of something that just snaps me back into the best version of me. Uh, that's that's great. You know what Dan talks about. A lot of us as entrepreneurs, business owners, I think this he talks about it in the business context, but it definitely works for any person in a personal context too. Um, we sometimes get frustrated by where we are in life and how we're not we haven't achieved our goal yet. Like we haven't achieved whatever your dream or dreams are. You're just not there yet. And he calls that the gap, the gap between where you stand and where you want to be. But in order to really in order to problem solve, you you must be in a state of creative flow. In order to be in a state of creative flow, you can't be that. You can't be in a state of creative flow when you have a scarcity mindset. And when you're in the gap, you constantly have a scarcity mindset. So the way to flip that around, he says, is go from the gap to turn around and look at the gain. Look at where you began. Look at where you started. Look at where you are now. And, and just have gratitude for that. And when you have gratitude, you can find creativity again. You can find abundance again. And that's another simple tip. If it's if it's where you are in your life or business that's frustrating you right now, just look at where you came from. And, and it that in many cases will help you uh, get to the next level. Now, also one of the early businesses you had was running the school store. Uh, you <laughs> thought that no, that you were going to be fighting people <laughs> off to run the school store. You ended up being the only one volunteering to do it, which, Hey, it was meant for you, which I love those things. Um, yep. It's funny. You, you point out that, your family gave you a bunch of business tips. They were super, they were super excited for you to run the school store and they gave you a bunch of business tips. What I think is really unique about this and just a great reminder is uh, number one, a kid can be great at a business. Number one, number two, life skills, ultimately the best skills you have in life will be your best business skills. You don't have to do, you don't have to operate any differently. And actually the more you operate within in congruence with the way you run your life, the more you'll be happy with your business. A lot of people build a prison instead of a business because they go do something that's not congruent with their goals or their, their, their real skills or anything else. Um, talk about a few of the skills that you learned, uh, 
with that family store that I think they would have they would apply to anything not just a, not just a school store it's not a family store the school store um, they would apply to anything uh, and I think they're just some really simple truisms that were great yeah and thank you for asking because it was just it was so divine to be able to interface with as I tell in the story with my mom and dad and and learn from them because they're extraordinary uh, entrepreneurs and human beings. Uh, one of the, the main values that I got from that is play the long game. That is that it takes away that sense of uh, urgency that you have to do this sale, you have to do, you know you're in it. So make connections for the long game prior to actually taking the actions and then upselling. Second one is always create value. It isn't about you selling something to somebody. It's about you revealing what it is they need and how that marries. And there's the third one is the most fun is nothing happens in life till somebody sells something. I love sales and some people feel it's taboo and I fell in love with sales. So I fell in love with the people for the long game and I added value every time I'm in a relationship in any kind of business environment, add more value than I'm compensated for and then just you know enjoy it for that for that moment that's great you know i yeah i think a lot of people when they think of sales they immediately think of sleazy and i hate sleazy sales just like everyone else does but sales with integrity i mean look we're all selling all the time whether we want to admit it or not i mean i got to sell my kids on why they should go to bed why it will make them healthier while they make them perform better in school i had to sell my wife on going on a date with me i got to sell you know the waiter on why they should bring my food for me. You know, it's just, yeah. it, and, and so we operate in this state all the time. It just all of a sudden, when it gets to be again in a business setting, people treat it completely differently. And I think honestly, a lot of salespeople have given, uh, have manipulated people into feeling yucky about the transaction for lack of a better term. We're going, we're going straight to the, uh, to Harvard here with our terminology today, yucky. Uh, but when, <laughs> when you feel that way, you know it. And so, you know, but, I think the most important thing for anyone who is in any type of selling any part of their life, you just have to understand that that's not, that's not, uh, sales by definition isn't gross or, or yucky. It's the way some people act within that because they are trying to extract something from you rather than to provide value to you. And I think that's, it's that, that perspective that shifts a lot of that. Um, back, I forgot to mentioned that when you talk about negativity, you talk about uh, one of the things you can do is practice responding to negativity with neutrality. I thought that was really interesting. Give me an example of how one might do that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, there, as I talked about with your, your strategies for responding to negativity, if you uh, disconnect from that natural instinct to want to, you know, fight back or make them wrong and you're just neutral, one of the most uh, powerful statements that I use in life, and I've used it and uh, shared it in my Wednesday Wisdom videos, is just to say in a neutral way, just say, well, that's interesting. And it really gives you a chance to pause. You're neutral. You know what they have just said or done is really, really rude or ridiculous. And I just... Right. I just respond and sort of sit back and go, well, it's interesting. And then the other person finds themselves trying to, oh, uh, try to take it to the next level. And I've diffused it. I didn't judge it. I just said, hmm, I 
that's interesting. Why do you say that? Hmm. It's it's a great strategy, and it will it will cause uh, you know a, a guaranteed response. If you say that's interesting, yes. then they'll try to either defend their position or the but they, it it'll sort of snap them out of that. And I think that that's uh, that's really cool. One of the things you also say in the book that I think is great advice. You know, you 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 can't always control your circumstances, but you can control how you respond to them. Uh, a, another friend, a mentor of mine, Dean Jackson. Dean says, you know, the best thing he says he learned in life is to be the umpire. He's like, the, you know, we both were big tennis players. Like, look, the ball is either in or out, and and it's yeah. gonna make. If it's in or out, it's going to make one party happy and one party sad. It's just going to happen. Yeah. So you either going to live with the emotion or just live like the umpire. Okay, the ball's out. What do I do if the ball's out? The ball's in. How to respond to the ball's in and just move move forward. It's a great lesson uh, in mental toughness. Um, you also yeah. uh, you talk about choices. I, I I love how you talk about how choices become habits. And uh, habits become baseline presence. This is like, this is deep. Um, take me into baseline presence. So choices become habits become a baseline presence. Walk me through that concept. Yes. So as we talked about the uh, you know balance between hus- hustle and flow are the hundreds or thousands of decisions you make uh, in in your day. So you know the choices are decisions, and then they become your baseline presence. And what a baseline presence is, Nick, people don't realize they have, and it is when you are aware of how you show up in the world. And everybody has it. I show up at about on my average day an eight on energy, right? Maybe some days ten. Some people their baseline presence um, is maybe a three. Doesn't make it wrong. It's just their baseline presence. That's how they show up. That's how quickly they respond when somebody says something negative. That's how they handle conflict. It's their baseline presence. So when you review and say you have the choice to refine or fine tune your baseline presence instead of looking in the rearview mirror and saying, oh, it's my genetics. Oh, I'm this middle child. Oh, I'm this. Those can all be true, but you still have the power to change it and you have the choice to do it all good advice again you can find even more of this advice in theo's new book the balance between hustle and flow theo you sort of leave the book with three questions i think are, are great questions let's go through them uh, individual but they're the three questions are what do i really want i think my favorite one is the second one who can i serve and third one yeah. how will i adopt my new awareness of the balance between hustle and flow walk us first through that question of, of what do i really want how does one start approaching that question? Because it's a big question. It is a big question. And that's why in the book, the book is really about the reader. It's punctuated with stories of my life and, and examples to bring it to life to really help you to feel what the concepts are. But it, the book is really about you. So what do you really want or what do I really want as the reader? There's a, a guided journal at the end of every chapter. So I encourage you to, if you're in you know, the process of you know, leveling up, and you want a, a growth spurt, then answer the questions there. So really looking for what you really want and stripping those layers of what does society want for me? What does my family want for me? No matter what their intentions, just go to that point. What resonates with me? And going back to the, sam- the example of the apples, even if it seems bizarre, long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, then finding what you really want. Uh, yep. And sometimes it is, let's say it is apples. I mean, it's finding a way that 
what do I, and sometimes what do I need to do to provide my, for my family or, or make money in a way that still allows me to spend my time with the apples. I, that may yes. not be my profitable passion. It may just be a passion. And some people, you know, work, whatever, I knew a guy who worked a job he didn't love uh, for like six months a year, but then he could be done with it. And he'd go surf for six months. And he just knew that in order to get his best equation, he could figure out, I, I would like to think there's a better one, but best equation he could figure out was I'm do this job. I don't love for six months every year. So I can go do what I love to do for six months. And you know, that's, I, I, that's, that's a balance. I'll take that. If that's, if that made him happy and that's the best way he could figure out to do it. I, I don't, you know, I'm going to give no negative emotion to that. Uh, I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting even more woke as we go here, Theo, uh, of, of my negative emotion. So I'll, I'll take it. Um, all right. Second question. Who can I serve? I've always found that when I don't know what to do next, if I just show up and serve opportunity abounds, that's just been a huge thing. So when you ask this question, who can I serve in what context should we be looking for this? And, and I don't know, how do we answer that question? Yeah. This is one of my favorite questions because like you, when I really want to improve or refine my life, I'm already serving and I have specific audiences or philanthropy or a church, but who, who can I serve is really taking a look at where you are and realizing and being aware that there are people that could use your expertise. You don't have to have money. You can just do donate your time. And doing that, that's step one. Whenever somebody comes to me and says that they're stuck with their career search, a lot of people come to me because I have a lot of connections. And I always say, just go volunteer somewhere. Just connect and serve and open up that channel of, of charity. And that makes you so you, it gives you so much gratitude and you, you can't be stuck and in gratitude because gratitude state of gratitude is a state of receivership. You're grateful. You've already received the gift. And if we could act as if, you know, we've already received the gift and, and it's, so cliche and so easy to forget, but I'm I'm trying to remind myself more and more that that time is the gift. It's it's literally the one thing we we don't get any more of, and we we waste so much of it, and we waste so much of it uh, dwelling on either things we can't change or negative emotions. Like it's if if you really put time at the top of your hierarchy, how might you respond differently to things? I think it's a important question to ask and a hard one to adhere to, by the way. Uh, the final one, the final question here is how will I adopt this new awareness? So everyone uh, listening here, there's going to read the book even more. So once they've read the book, the balance between hustle and flow, and they have this awareness, what are your best tips either in the book or, or not in the book for how to react now that they have this level of awareness? Well, this is the most important question because this is what the whole point of the book is, is how will you adopt the new awareness is to say what changes will you implement in your life? If you remember the times, Nick, when you've gone to a seminar and you come back and you're all excited or you read a book and then you try to implement and then you tell, you know, your spouse or you tell somebody very close to you about it. I'm so excited. And they're like, what? That's all that motivational crap. Pardon the expression. It was just like, yep. you know, and you're like, ah. Oh and you're deflated. So how will you adopt the new awareness? Knowing that, that you're not looking for permission or for confirmation. Adopting the new awareness say, means to give yourself the, uh, the keys to how you're gonna know you're on the right track. So adopting some new behaviors and making sure that you detach 
and you protect yourself from the negativity because we give away our power. You adopt the new awareness when you make sure you're not giving your power away. That's great. I, you know, one of the things I've started telling myself a lot more recently, sort of in my own languaging is, is, you know, that's okay. That's not my story. You know, they're living their story. I'm going to live my story. Uh, sometimes our stories might bump against each other, but they're these other people's preconceived notions of, of whether it's my life or the future or the economy or whatever it's going to be. That's their story. Cause none of us know ultimately until we've, till it's passed. Um, we can, we can all think we know what's going to happen. We've seen it in the movies a, a million times where the car's about to go off the cliff and then they get, busted, right. So, so we got to give time and, and we got to give it, place to happen so sometimes a strategy like i i said uh, that i use is like okay great that's that's not my story and, and i move on yeah. uh great advice lots of great gems in the book uh theo i've known you for a long time but i loved the depth of what you wrote on this and i think it's a really important thing for everyone to understand there's a time to hustle and there's a time to just let it flow i highly encourage everyone to check out the book the balance between hustle and flow theo thank you so much for coming on the show and i'll look forward to hearing uh what's next for you soon Thank you so much. I loved every minute. Join us next time on Now to Next with Nick Nanton. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. Make sure you like and subscribe and check out the next episodes.